Today, all over the world, there are thousands of Sino-Soviet intelligence agents with money to burn, looking for unsuspecting targets for exploitation among members of our forces. Alright, we're back again in the home studio. Um, production budget has not increased. We're still waiting our grant money because this is academic research. The pod, the podcasting studio with the golden mics, just like Rush Limbaugh. I want to be Rush Limbaugh one day. <laughs> I was born for that, you know. Right. Just like holding the, the phallic looking mic above you and just complaining about Democrats. Like, wouldn't that be the life? But that's just what we do now, except in reverse. Right. Just holding about it liberals. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think we're going to start off today. Uh, this is a little bit old, but um, Elizabeth Warren recently uh, had this tw- had this uh, video with um, AOC, right? And she s- essentially was talking about the Game of Thrones finale, which is a hot button issue for apparently politicians. Everybody on the planet. AKA every person on Twitter, AKA ages 20 to 45, predominantly white class. <laughs> yes. The demo. Yeah. The demo, as we like to call them, the uh, voter base. <laughs> the base. Uh, yeah. So um, this is like, it was recently released, and they're talking about the finale. Um, and it's weird because, like, we all had you know, either problems with it or we loved it, regardless of where you fall in the spectrum, right? Um, Elizabeth Warren has been known to be, like, a Game of Thrones fan. She penned, like, this essay about Game of Thrones, equating herself to Daenerys, right? The character who thinks it's her birthright to rule because she, like, you know, is a halfway decent person and, like, wants it bad enough. And so, her and AOC were discussing that um, there weren't enough female rulers at the end of the show, and that they were upset, and we need, like, a feminist analysis up in HBO to quote AOC. Yeah, they need um, they need a, a third wave? Are we on the third or fourth wave of feminism yet? We're on whatever Lib Fem. Yeah, we're is. on this current wave of feminism, and uh, it's... It, we need someone, like, a script supervisor, basically, who's going to ensure that all these feminist through lines are going to follow, and there's nothing problematic with it. So, um, I guess they found it problematic that Danny became the Mad Queen and killed yeah. everybody. And, see, if you're a fan of the show, hopefully by this point, you've understood, like, the problem isn't that Danny became mad it's that the show just rushed it and fell flat on a lot of through lines that we're setting up for eight seasons and that's why a lot of people are disappointed the problem isn't with Danny going crazy it's the problem with the writers being lazy and like flipping a switch essentially and being like oh she killed people in the past therefore she's like a genocidal maniac um which you could, a you definitely before. saw this coming. You knew it was gonna happen, uh, and that John had to have a reason to kill her. Yeah, very, that's very obvious where the show was going. Very bad reason to kill her. Um, the thing is, like most people, um, and you and I have talked about it, you know, off air 
right? But most people had a problem with the finale because um, basically David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, like they had unlimited time and unlimited money. And HBO basically said, have as much time and money as you want. And they said, no, we can finish it in two seasons, fan. And even like I watched this interview with George R. R. Martin and he was like, I said 10 seasons when we first started the show and they said seven and we compromised on eight. And so the thing is, like a lot of people were upset with the writing of, of you know, that and, and honestly, in the hands of like a, a better writer like George R. Mm-hmm. R. Martin, um, the show's finale could feel better. But the thing is, like, I, I, the reason we want to talk about the um, the Elizabeth Warren AOC video in particular is this growing trend of like reading, literally taking politics and putting it like everything through a political filter, right? Because um, it is, and I did say this beforehand, I said that it is pretty sexist about Game of Thrones, how most of the women on the show are batshit insane, right? And like the two rule, two ruling women of Westeros just happen to be batshit insane. But women can and men can be just as insane as each other. And the thing is, when you put Game of Thrones, this like, good shitty fantasy series through a political lens and we have politicians now commenting on game of thrones and how it mirrors real life politics it's like you know art can be political but not all art is political yeah and i don't even think i don't even think george r R. martin himself considers like game of thrones super like hyper political but i mean it it, has to be it's sorry let me interject here game of thrones is political but not in this new wave like feminine yes yeah that's exactly right and it is about the horrors of war right as we discussed on a previous episode but sorry go ahead but it's like not meant to be co-opted by every movement Mm -hmm. but the thing is it's just we should expect this at this point yeah Uh, it is a little bit weird that elizabeth warren is like dipping her toes into like clinton-esque uh, acts like this because I feel like this is like straight out of Hillary Clinton's playbook of like to co-opt something like fun and then turn it into her political agenda Yeah, uh, which you know I like a lot of Elizabeth Warren's ideas it just seems like well we should we saw this coming like this was gonna happen right uh, but I mean I don't really care too much about it 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 was like I, I let me rephrase that I her say I didn't want her to do that, but I also saw it coming, kind of. Well, also, like, and I know this, you know, as a politician, you're allowed to obviously comment on art and culture and stuff. But, like, I feel like when you have, like, legitimate, and, and they did, they had legitimate critiques of the show, right, like we said before. Um, but the thing is, when you kind of co-opt this image into your own political sphere... Like, as a politician, right? It's not even, like, a a media critic or it's not even, um, you know, just some random person talking about Game of Thrones. It is a person who is running for president. And you kind of co-opt it and try and mold it to fit your preconceived expectations of of politics that George R. R. Martin's not writing about in 1994 and setting it up for, you know? It's it's, um, kind of disheartening a little bit that our politicians, instead of focusing on... Um, you know, like the actual like praxis, like 
how to actually like help people. She's focusing on like we need more girl bosses. Yes, queen. Like stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, but that's like it's that whole conundrum of tapping into what a lot of people are thinking about Mm -hmm. but also it just feels wrong in a way you know yeah and but isn't every it's tell me if this is like hyperbole Mm -hmm. but it feels like isn't everything like hyper politicized especially entertainment yeah i mean entertainment it it is and and we're not saying that entertainment shouldn't be political we're not one of those guys just like keep politics out of game of thrones even though that is the point of game of thrones is about the politics but what i'm saying is like when you have this preconceived notion of game of thrones fitting the real world in in a in a hyper specific way instead of looking at like the general themes of it Instead, you know, George R. R. Martin, like, I don't know necessarily through the text because we haven't got that far, but I don't think George R. R. Martin's saying, like, women are fucking insane. Like, I'm just, I'm assuming. I highly doubt that. Yeah, I'm just assuming that, you know, a lot of his themes are war is terrible. It affects real people. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like, like, again, we said earlier, the fight for the throne is superfluous. Yeah, which the show... I feel like the showrunners didn't even understand that. They made it about the throne, even though it was clearly not never about it. Um, But I think this would be a good point uh, to turn in the discussion a little bit. Okay. And and keeping on Warren, Mm -hmm. talk about... This is a very Warren-specific episode, guys. Yeah, the title's going to be something like... uh, Warren and I don't know. Anyway, we'll we'll figure it out later. Warren, we're, Warren. We got interns here. like plugging <laughs> things into Google, trying to figure out the like most uh, searched terms. Trying to get the us. SEO up, dude. Our SEO is gonna be so high. <laughs> um, but her, uh, Warren's tweets or uh, policy, I should say, about her like climate change ideas, mm-hmm. and there's this term that's come about because of it. That you just introduced to me, Matt, which is called the Green Army. The Green Military, uh, Can yeah. you explain this to myself and the audience? So, Elizabeth Warren recently tweeted out about the Green Military. And the Green Military is, um, she says that, uh, well, essentially, the, the Army and, like, our entire military... Um, is a big contributor to climate change, right? There's a lot of um, emissions that come out of our military. We're, our military is very bad about um, fucking up the ozone irreparably. but And the Middle East. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Elizabeth Warren recently tweeted out a, a series of tweets. First off, she was stating that we need a um, green military because climate change could affect our military like readiness and operations mm-hmm. right and and so i think this is part of the tone deafness and the reason we were t- talking about her game of thrones stuff is part of her tone deafness about people she's polling terribly she can't raise any money and these tweets just kind of show that she doesn't understand what people like she understands like surface level like climate change is a problem and we need to fix it, but she doesn't understand like making the military green and reducing their carbon emissions isn't a leftist type policy. It's reducing the military. <laughs> like we need to reduce the military. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I like I get why she's come out with this, 
And I think it could could actually aid her in a way because it is very concrete and people could be like, well, yeah, it's like it's like very non-controversial to come out and say, oh, the military needs to like clean up after itself a little bit. But I would like to see her if she's, you know, truly a progressive, uh, whatever that means. Uh, If she is truly progressive, like fully backing the 2030 uh, zero net zero emission thing, like the Green New Deal, perhaps uh, when like China's doing it, China's leading the way in climate change. That should be a a, a very pressing concern because I mean Ger- Angela Merkel has already come out and said that um, you know the U.S. is no longer an ally, and it seems like a lot of our allies feel that way that they can't yeah. depend on us, they can't rely on us. So they're going to make deals with China. Mm-hmm. Russia's already making deals with China. So we're going to see this shift in power continually, continuously to the Asian continent and have a diminished... Uh, America's going to have a diminished uh, like say in world politics um, just because our policies have been so backwards and we've been shamed by pretty much every Western country or developed country out there. Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on? And so... It shouldn't, like you said, Matt, it shouldn't be, like, that is, the green military should just be one small part of the entire picture. Well, it's missing, you know, it's like we, I said, you know, I always love the saying, it's missing the, you know, looking at the forest for the trees, or yeah. like missing the forest for the trees, right? Um, she understands that there's a problem, but she doesn't understand that the problem is inherently a structural problem. It's not, she doesn't look at the superstructure mm-hmm. of it and say, well, capitalism and capitalists are exploiting resources and burning more fuel than is entirely possible. And, it, and the thing is, like, if you look at the numbers, right, and you say, okay, well, and people go, always go, well, you need to stop driving, um, you know, cars that take up, you know, guzzle gasoline or whatever, but those aren't even like a big, contributor to the the emissions right the big biggest contributors to emissions are like factory farming and the military Mm -hmm. it's the big industries and she's not looking at the structure you know the structural analysis she's not understanding that there's something inherently wrong there she's just it's it's this it's this idea it's this very liberal capitalist idea of looking at something saying there's something wrong and putting a band-aid over it even though the dam's fixing to break like not fixing the dam but putting a band-aid over it do you think it's do you think she genuinely believes that is the best course of action or do you think she feels political pressure to be less controversial in certain areas of her policies i think both i think elizabeth warren is um you know and this is the thing like she's she's probably my second choice after Bernie, but I think she is a capitalist to her bones. And I feel like, honestly, you know, whereas Bernie is looking at the, and he's like analyzing all this stuff that's happening and trying to fix it through structural changes. I think Elizabeth Warren doesn't realize there even, even is structural problems. And I think that she just kind of buys this new, you know, neo-lib, um, ideology of you know um aesthetics right it's 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 aesthetically changing things right like the the the, we don't need to reduce our military we need a green military you know um we don't need to get rid of monarchy and game of thrones we need to have a woman monarch in game of thrones right and it's 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 this idea that's been circulating around 
right? And as a presidential candidate, and there's a lot of people who are very aesthetic. Most all of the Democratic candidates, besides Bernie, pretty much are aesthetics only. But it's it's uh, very tone deaf, and she has like a history of being very tone deaf. You know, a lot of her policies are great. Like we were saying, mm-hmm. we looked at some of her policies, and a lot of them are great. But I do believe that Warren is a capitalist to her bones, and I do believe that she is not looking at the things that will actually help. Now, this might be too much of a, a left turn in the discussion, but say Warren happens to turn things around, she starts polling better, she gets the Democratic nomination. Do you see her as a candidate who can beat Trump? Absolutely not. I don't think, I think Trump will um, destroy, like, run circles around her, basically, because in my, I mean, and this is just my opinion, but um, I think that Warren is a candidate who is terrible. We've seen she's terrible at fundraising, right? She can't mm-hmm. raise money to save her life. She's terrible at polling, right? Pe- she polls terribly. And then when she goes up against Trump, when the people who who voted who want serious change from Trump, they're they're going to want Yang or whoever. And then the, like the people who vote for Trump who aren't like uber Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, are are just doing it for the lulls, right? I guess they they just think Trump's entertaining, which he's pretty entertaining. Like he's a terrible person in a he's, very sad, depressing way. But he's entertaining, yeah. Um, and then Warren is just this fucking. She's like such a bore. Like she's so boring. And it's like, you know, would you rather have the um person who is incompetent and is fun, like Trump, or would you rather have the person who is a little more competent, almost as incompetent, and very fucking boring. Yeah, it's like, who would you rather go out? I guess the presidential race should just come down to who would you rather have a beer with? I mean, I would say Warren, because Trump, like, creeps me out, and he seems, like, very freaky. Like, the fact that Trump exists, like, creeps me out. Speaking of of the, the... The beer. Did I don't know if he's a little divergent thing, but Warren had this uh, video of her like with or this uh, picture on Twitter with her with a beer, and it looks like that um, Steve Buscemi meme where he's like, "Hello, fellow children!" Like oh, with a skateboard yeah. over his back, and it looked exa- like the way she was holding it. It looks like she'd never drank a beer in her life. Do we know? Was it just a clear glass? Do we know what brand it was? Because uh, that we, could heavily play in the. We polls. don't know what brand it was, but she was holding it kind of like. Um, Dominic Toretto did in the Fast and the Furious movies, right? Like gripping yeah, yeah. it by the neck. You know, it's like no one drinks beer like that. Uh, what was it? What was that Hillary Clinton video where it's like, hello, just chilling in Ohio or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. The, the Hillary memes were the best. Let's just say, like, I hope we get some good memes out of the Democratic side this, this year. Because, like, you know, in the nihilistic internet age, memes are all we can hope for because real change doesn't exist. Well, that and that's the thing. Like we, I had like this class discussion um, when we were actually discussing like uh, neoliberalism, right? And people were kind of like, well, "What do we do? Like the world's terrible. How do we fix this?" And one of the things was um, me and this other chick, right, the other Marxist in the class. She was like, "Well, you know." Um, memes are fun and they're like interesting and stuff, but you need to be careful because a lot of people, um, like the people who pro- probably voted for Trump the first time are probably going to vote for Yang this time because they want a thousand dollars a month. Right. Um, their whole thing is that they are depressed and they don't look at how to change things. They just 
drown their sorrows in memes, right? And that's yeah. something that uh, memes are great and they're fun. And I'm not saying we shouldn't. I'm just saying like we need to be cognizant of like memes are great, but like they're not going to fix the problem. Absolutely. I think it's a, it's like an evolution of what social media does, which is fry your brain yes. a little bit. It gives you this like little dopamine hit. And then I, I mean, I don't think I've ever audibly laughed at a meme. I've chuckled to myself and thought, man, that's a good meme, but it's never brought me like true joy. And okay. I hate to be that very stereotypical person of, well, I'm off social media, so I'm like way better than you guys. But like, I found myself getting super depressed, like more than usual. Mm -hmm. And I was coping by going on Twitter, going on YouTube, uh, Instagram, and especially Reddit. Like Reddit was a bad one for me. Yeah. And I would, I wouldn't even read all the articles, you know, I'm just scrolling through or whatever. Yeah. And maybe once or twice I'd find a good news article. Um, but I just was like, man, like, I can come back to this. It's still going to be here. I just need to, to take a break because the for me, meme culture was just becoming too much. And I recognize it as like a super hardcore coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I'm going to like turn my brain off, at least like let me beat Red Dead or like do something semi more productive than scrolling on my phone, which just like makes you feel like even more like a piece of crap when you are like, oh, well, I didn't do anything for this last hour besides stare at my right. device. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, you know, um, I've noticed and, and a lot of people have said this before, like my attention span is kind of shot, right? Like I like depression tried, will do that. I try, <laughs> yeah, I try to read this book and I'm like, damn, like I, I forget, like I have to reread like a passage, you know, um, and I, I like reading a lot. But I'll read like three or four pages and then get on Twitter. You know, it's like yeah. and then scroll through Twitter for like ten minutes and then get back and read and then put it down, scroll through Twitter again, right? And that's you know, it's the um we're inundated with choices, right? And it's kinda like the the whole Netflix thing. Mm-hmm. I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about Netflix and they were saying that like Netflix is like forty five minutes of scrolling through everything, looking at what to watch and then never watching anything, yeah. getting fed up and turning it off and going to bed. And that's, you know, we are inundated with choices, much like looping it back around the Democratic nominees. Oh, snap. You just pulled the fast one on us, Matt. Exactly. Good job. Um, we are inundated with this uh, mediocrity of choices, right? Like, you have um, the only real candidate, Bernie, and then you have, like, even the secondary candidate of, like, I don't know how you feel about it, but Warren. Mm-hmm. And then she's just, like writing op-eds about game of thrones and talking about how we need to like make the military cleaner so that they can bomb brown people better like it's so it's such a weird it's such a weird thing like we're we are we we try to like we need to i feel like we need to hold our um politicians to a higher standard like i think our politicians you know we've gotten comfortable um Unfortunately, not necessarily we, but everybody as a whole has gotten very comfortable, you know, and they know something's wrong and we just keep swinging the pendulum right and left and Mm -hmm. right and left and never actually looking at politics. Like Never realizing that the proper place for that pendulum to rest is right in the center. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't need a swing either way. I thought this was the Warren we episode, need- not the Beto episode. <laughs> <laughs> we need some milk toast centrism. You know, uh, 
pour in like when I'm making a recipe and I'm like, how do I want to spice this recipe up? I'm like, let's pour in some just milk. Yeah, and like my coffee, I'm just drowning it in centrism. You're just like, um, you know, it's the th- the what will fix this country? You know, our um, most people, I, I would say, um, just a rough guesstimate, but about seventy percent of Americans want Medicare for all, right? Um, and you know, you you go, hmm, what's going to fix this country? Beto, another recent development, town hall. Um, what do you think about Medicare for all? And he's just like, you know, I think like the 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 work, like I think the employer should should pay for the for the you know uh, for your medical expenses because like we all know, right? Because Beto is directly in the middle. Like we all know, he he can reach. He knows across, there's a good idea on both sides. He can reach across the aisle and shake hands because that's what we need because that's worked so well. And he's like, you know what will fix our shitty medical system? Corporations. Well, they always do. They've yeah. gotten an asset of everything. You know, they I, fix everything. You know, I think, um, I don't even think, I'm not 100% sure about Elizabeth Warren, but I don't, I don't even think she's necessarily supported. She, I think she might have said Medicare for all, but she hasn't, like, put a policy in place. Uh, let me look that up. I think she's I'm pretty. Sh- I'm pretty sure she was. I think she supported Medicare for all, but I'm not sure if she support, supports Bernie's. Oh, uh, uh, she might have a different like take yeah. for it. She could be like, we shouldn't. She could be the same thing. We don't, you know. Let me see what Warren said. I'm pulling it up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just killing time on the pod, looking up stuff. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's the thing. Like Beto and Buchieg and people like that who are like not left leaning. Oh man. So, uh, uh, according to this article by Axios, uh, they listed like every politician's position on Medicare for all. Yeah. And so Elizabeth Warren is joined by former representative John Delaney in the mixed statements category. Ah. And this, uh, I'm going to read it, but the quote that stood out for me is like, Oh, where have I heard this before? Uh, there's a quote from her saying, we need to figure out how to do Medicare for all. Wow. Um, so it says, Senator, Senator Elizabeth Warren supports Medicare for all, but has been vague about how to achieve it. Her campaign website calls for a, quote, down payment. And a, at a CNN town hall in March, she said she would, quote, get everybody at the table to, quote, figure out how to do Medicare for all. Which could include a quote temporary role for private insurance companies. Oh my god! That I'm telling you, and I'm telling you, like capitalist to her bones, just straight up. She that's the thing. Like you know, you and I, and and even a previous guest of the pod, friend of the pod, Cole, talked about. um, You know, Elizabeth Warren would probably be our second choice, but that's because our our choices. Much like Netflix, a bunch of them, they're all shitty. So according to Axios, uh, here are the candidates that are, are running that actually support Medicare for all. Bernie Sanders. Yes. He wants a single source of health coverage for prescriptions, medical, vision, dental, and mental health care. Kamala Harris has uh, uh, said she's stick by Sanders' bill. Kamala, and- Kamala Harris is like, you just have to beat a black person before you can go to... Oh my God. Um, she, uh, what was it? She wants to eliminate insurance, uh, 
Okay, U.S. needs to eliminate going through an insurance company and move on. I agree. I completely agree. Uh, former HUD Secretary Julian Castro supports it, saying at an event in Iowa, Democrats, the U.S. would should be the healthiest nation. Ag- agreed. Yeah, we're, agreed. we're like behind we're Cuba and we're ahead of Cuba in infant mortality. Like, and you and I are almost at the end of our lifespan. Yeah. Like, have you looked at the our new health like estimations of how long we're going to live? Yeah. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard supports Medicare for all, but doesn't want to eliminate private insurance. Uh, she okay. she's weird because like I saw recently, told again off topic, right? But I saw recently, um, she supported this weird bill in Hawaii, and it was like because she was like the governor or something of Hawaii like the um, a, a senator of Hawaii Right now she's representative of Hawaii. Okay, so she was a representative and she supported this um uh bill in Hawaii that like everyone hated her for. It was like um Do you remember what it was? Yeah, I think it was um maybe it was like the it might have been or maybe Kamala Harris supported the death penalty, I'm not sure. But it was some weird like controversial like holy shit, I can't believe she supported this type bill. Yeah, well, I would just say let's look into that a little further because it could be it might, a it might be Bernie con- situation where they're like, "Ooh, she signed off on this bill, but she was signing it for other reasons, like Bernie did with could the be, Biden's yeah. bill." Which, you know, is unfortunate that that's how our political system works. Is like, in order to get this good thing passed, you have to uh, damage minorities, right? Um, the other three candidates that are like fully on board for Medicare for all, yeah, is uh, two people I've never heard of that are running. Uh, former Colorado Governor John Hinkenlooper, great last name, way better than <laughs> Beto O'Rourke. Uh, he supports single payer health care, advocating for the general idea rather than a specific policy. All right, passing on that. And this one caught my eye. Uh, Marianne Williamson, her title is New Age Spiritual Guru. Oh, yeah, you haven't heard of Marianne. No, I have not. Well, okay, so Marianne is this, um, she believes that, um, and honestly, we should elect her on this principle alone. She believes that we've had too many bad vibes, and we just need some good vibes to come back. Dude, like she, I'm totally on board on the vibe train. She is straight up just like, okay, like, we need some good vibes. We need to bring them back. Like, we're just all depressed now. Like, it's not capitalism. We just need spiritual energy. She could be onto something. I probably, probably is. And then Andrew Yang, it says, advocates for a single payer healthcare system. Mm. So that seems a little more unclear. Single payer? Uh, he said, advocates for a single payer healthcare system. Yeah. And then it looks like uh, Biden wants to, he supports optional Medicare buy-in. Mm-hmm. Basically, he wants to like keep the Affordable Air Care Act. Um, Beto's on the same page. He says he supports universal health care, but uh, is not including Medicare for all in his presidential campaign. Ah. And uh, Kirsten Gillibrand is a co-sponsor on Sanders' bill that supports Medicare. At 50 Act. So, I mean, it's a mixed bag, but still, like, from what we've come away with, it seems like Bernie is very clear on what he wants and what we would be getting with him. Like we said every pod, Bernie practices what he's preached for 30 years. He's the first person to beat the Medicare for All drum while these other motherfuckers were taking money from big insurance. Which is nice because there's not going to be... Like, barring something totally insane, there's not going to be a lot of, like, dirt or, like, controversy around Bernie that, like, people can 
can drag up because he has been so just transparent for a long time. Um, he, in my eyes, he truly is the anti-Trump, like a uh, very uncontroversial figure, mm-hmm. hasn't changed his policies, hasn't paid off porn stars or cheated on his wife that we know of. Um, I mean, he's probably, he's probably gotten it in. Yeah. Let's just say that. I found the Gabbard thing, by the way. Okay, yeah. Shoot. So she has um, apparently stalked her allies on her foreign policy positions. Um, she was she joined Republicans in demanding that Barack Obama use the term radical Islam. She was a the member of Congress most willing to advocate for Syrian dictator Bashar al-Assad. She dubbed herself a um, hawk on terrorism. Mm. And apparently she has worrying ties to anti-LGBTQ plus groups including one run by her father, an anti-Muslim Hindu nationalist. Um, yeah, so she's out. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, uh, long story long, um, when you play the Game of Thrones, you either die or live long enough to become the villain or whatever. Or you make a compromise and elect Beto. You reach across the aisle. Yeah, direct center, Beto Roy. 2020 well yeah kind of kind of slow week for us um some transitions happened in our lives Mm -hmm. i'm like leaving starbucks matt's going to starbucks a lot of starbucks stuff happening for sure howard schultz 2020 but we'll be back next week hopefully with a little more juicy tidbits but um i enjoyed this discussion once again we've come to the definitive conclusion that bernie sanders is our only hope yeah um so yeah, I will see you, see you next week. We're about to hit up this Tolkien movie, which has gotten mixed reviews, to say the least. Oh yeah. So, see you guys. We'll let you know how it goes. Bye.